You're listening to Healthcare Now Radio. Stand by for this just in the latest in healthcare innovation and technology trends with your HIT advisor, Justin Barnes. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to This Just In. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In these half-hour segments, I'll bring you the latest advancements in healthcare, innovation, entrepreneurialism, and strategy. As always, we're broadcasting from the This Just In studios on the Business Radio X network, as well as the Healthcare Now radio network. For this episode, we're going to welcome a longtime friend, Dan Michelson, CEO of Strata Decision Technology. Welcome, Dan. It's a pleasure to have you. Great to, great to be here, Justin. Appreciate, uh, appreciate your having me. You, you got it, my good friend. Uh, and I met Dan many moons ago. Uh, we served on the EHR Association Executive Board together, uh, as well as worked on EHR certification and health IT standards development as industry peers. And so I've known Dan well over uh, actually a decade now. Uh, and obviously, you've always contributed a lot to our industry, Dan. So not only am I fortunate to have you on my show today, but very fortunate just to have you uh, in our industry and certainly as a peer and, and more importantly, as a friend. So thank you. Well, I think by sharing that background, Justin, you've you've uh, solidified that we're both geeks. So. <laughs> very true and very good point. But also, I might have shared a little bit about our ages. Um, nobody quite knows how old I am, but uh, we've been friends for a long time. And you've been in the industry for a little bit longer than me, but not too much longer. <laughs> But um, before we jump too far into the broadcast today, let's get to know you a little bit, uh, certainly for my audience. So you're calling in from Chicago or Chicago area today? Yep, uh, downtown Chicago. I'm a Midwest guy. I grew up in uh, grew up in Chicago and then went to college at Indiana University and then uh, back across the border and have been in Chicago ever since. Very, very cool. Um, so what brought you into healthcare and health IT? Because I've only known you from your health IT days, but I think you've done a little bit throughout your career. But what brought you here? Yeah, you know, uh, Justin, I was one year out of school and uh, doing my job, uh, but generally speaking, pretty unhappy. And instead of um, going on a job search, I actually went on an industry search. Mm. And the goal um, was really to answer the question, where do I want to spend my time and invest my energy? And I, I, I don't know if it was the what color is your parachute or your rainbow uh, kind of <laughs> sinking great. into me that I heard from other people. But, um, you know, healthcare got to the top of the list for probably the same reason it was, it's at the top of the list for many of the people who listen to your show. Um, it's not a job. It's really a call to action to make a difference. And choosing an industry versus a job was really the best decision I ever made. Yeah, actually, I couldn't agree more. I was not, um, I didn't do as much research or, or thoughtfulness as, uh, as you, but um, I uh, was kind of pulled in here, I think, just through, I know through a great relationship that I had with a local CEO who saw all that I was doing in college and said, hey, when you graduate, I want you to join. And that was HBO and Company, which became the world's largest healthcare software company sure. while I was there. But um, that was just very fortuitous. And I think I had God's hands on it. But um I probably should have put more thought into it, but it turned out all great uh, for me uh, as well. But um, so I guess uh, I've loved what you've been doing. I think you've been doing it for a little over three years now. Uh, again, we've worked together for a while in the industry, but um, watching you go over to, uh, to Strata, how did that kind of come to fruition? Yeah, you know, I mean, the best things come when you're not looking for them. Yeah. Uh, so this came along. I was actually not looking to be the CEO of any company. I had never thought about that, never put it on my career roadmap. Um, grew up pretty, uh, I'd say, 
insecure kid, not a lot of confidence. So just, you know, kind of getting a job and sort of hiding in the corner was sort of my career path initially. And then, you know, things progressed over time, um, as they do with everybody. And, um, you know, I think my orientation on healthcare has always been to try to find the biggest problem I could work on and then work my tail off to do the best job I can do to contribute. And that, um, you know, when Strata rolled along, I'd never heard of it. And when I learned about it, uh, it was pretty intriguing, which is, you know, uh, healthcare is undergoing an enormous uh shift in their business model, right? And so you're talking about a fifth of the economy, $3 trillion spent a year, and the way in which people are getting paid, uh, which is what the business model is defined as, is being turned upside down. And I just felt that if you looked at the clinical side of what was happening, people were running towards population health and analytics, and I think a lot of people believe in those concepts and that they'll help. But on the financial side, it was you know, more or less crickets um, when you ask people what they were going to use or how they're going to use it to help in this new world. And I thought Strata could be one of those enabling solutions. Um, so I was intrigued by the idea of bending the cost in healthcare and doing that with data. And that's what we've been focused on. And it's been a great experience. So um, the thing that intrigued me about making the career change, if you will, uh, was just more of the fear of the unknown and kind of leaning into that. So I, uh, you know, had no idea what it would be like to run a company, didn't know if I could do it. And that's really what attracted me to it. Well, you certainly picked, yeah, one of the more complex or most complex section of, uh, of our industry. And this is why I get, you know, I'm very excited about what you're doing and, and uh, what you guys are accomplishing and, and certainly, you know, look forward to, to diving in here more. So when you guys, um, or when you took over, you guys were around, I think since the mid, late nineties, right? Or mid nineties. Is that true? Yeah. 1996. And focused heavily on analytics, decision support. But I mean, you got into this, we just changed, you know, MACRA just got passed earlier this year. It's been a project for a lot of us for, you know, trying to get rid of the SGR and, and get more stability in our payment system. But obviously, you know, and we'll touch on that certainly later on, but you approach this very early. I mean, obviously they're doing financial, you know, uh, you know, since the late 90s, but you even personally got involved, you know, in this, um, you know, several years ago, but even before it became as sexy as it is now. So, uh, is that where obviously where your passion comes from and, and driving the bottom line? Because it all starts, you know, there's a couple of good companies in our industry who've done very well by you're not necessarily focusing on the EHR side, but mm-hmm. focusing on the revenue cycle side, the financials, the analytics. And, you know, people ran down the clinical path, but people also, the, some of the big winners have focused strolling on the financial side. And I think that's what you, you guys have been doing, right? Yeah, well, very much so. So I think the, um, you know, if you go back to 2000, I think a lot of people assumed that at some point doctors would use computers. And the, the mentality at that time was that, and well, doctors were technophobic and that would never happen. And so a number of us, including you, started leaning in on the electronic health record concept and pushing that out. And here we are, you know, a decade later or so, and now essentially every doctor uses an electronic health record. So it turns out that they weren't technophobic at all. So then you look at cost and you really see kind of the same type of dynamic where people don't believe that um, you know, doctors or providers care about the cost of care. And all of the data runs counter to that. And the reality is, if you and I were going to take a flight to each other's respective cities, so if you were flying from Atlanta to Chicago, um, you could go online and look up plane fares, and you would know how much it costs to get from point A to point B. And the reason why you would know that is two things. One is you care about the cost. So whether you're flying for your company or you're flying personally, you are somewhat accountable for the cost of it. 
And two, the data is there, um, so you can actually find the data. Um, so uh, very quickly, you would know that number. But if I asked you what the cost of a, mm-hmm. a hip, plant imp- hip implant was, you wouldn't know, right, because you don't do that for a living. Right. Um, but guess what? A uh, orthopedic surgeon wouldn't know either. Now, right. why wouldn't they know? Well, those two elements that were that were there with the flight aren't aren't there with a hip implant. Mm-hmm. Um, so the doctor isn't accountable or responsible, so that's missing, and the data isn't available. So the opportunity to open that up, I think, is what got me excited and, and, and still intrigues me um, because you're talking about physicians who control 80% of the spend. So they control 80% of the decisions, a surgery, a procedure, a test, a um, you know a referral, uh, a medication. Those decisions come from ultimately from clinicians. So not providing them that information doesn't seem like a particularly uh, <laughs> good idea, but that's in fact what we're doing. And with $3 trillion on the line, yeah. going to $5 trillion by CMS's estimate by the year 2023, uh, boy, we can unlock a lot of value if we just start um, you know, thinking creatively about how to get information in front of people. Yeah, and I mean those costs. You're 100 percent accurate with those costs, and they're growing, you know, very quickly, rapidly. And and those are those are tax dollars. I mean those those are coming right out of our country's pockets, our pockets as taxpayers. And uh, you know that's why again I get very passionate about what you're doing, but also passionate about trying to change healthcare uh, and make it uh, much more a, a smarter healthcare system, but also sustainable. Uh, because yeah, do, yeah. A- absolutely. There was a uh, professor at uh, Wharton. Um, and uh, University of Pennsylvania, the graduate school, who is also a physician uh, right across the street at the hospital and a professor uh, for the uh, School of Medicine as well. His name was William Kissick. In the 90s, he wrote a book called Infinite uh, Needs of Finite Resources. And that is really what we're dealing with here, is people don't see both sides of that equation, and now they're starting to because we're going to more of a capitated environment, whereas uh, you were speaking of revenue cycle uh, a couple years ago for the last maybe 60 years or so. uh, We've just been more – our orientation has been more towards the top line because that's all that really mattered uh, at the end of the day. Um, But now the bottom line really does matter, and and, uh, so the focus has changed. Yeah, and actually, I kind of begin delineating that. Some of the companies that I get most excited about that I'm either working with or on the board of uh, really focuses, they do revenue cycle management, but where they start to bring in more, I think, of your side of the equation and what we're going to talk about here shortly, uh, I call it revenue cycle performance. So really optimizing your entire organization to ensure your entire revenue cycle uh, starts to, uh, to gain ground and you build on. So... Where in the market do you guys focus? Because I get obviously I've spent most of my time on the physician practice side of the house, but then also in the last several years working much more on the hospital and the enterprise side. But um, but where do you guys focus as an organization? We we really work across the continuum. So we currently have about 180 healthcare systems, delivery systems we work with, wow. and that uh, encompasses a thousand hospitals and countless physician practices and post acute care uh, facilities. So, so we have always uh, had that orientation, which is obviously very helpful given where healthcare has gone. Mm-hmm. So would you work with a five-doctor ortho group, or would they have to be part of a healthcare ecosystem or a health community to really work with a practice that size? Yeah, right now for the kind of things that we do, which are really fall into two buckets, uh, financial planning, uh, which is everything from long-range financial planning, um, Operating budgeting, capital budgeting, those are more resident within a hospital. Mm-hmm. And then on the cost side of what we do, uh, mainly large physician groups uh, would look at that. Uh, 
Yep. You know, I, I don't see a lot of small groups taking on risk. And that's where the cost comes into um, into the equation for a lot of physician practices. So if they're going to be assuming risk to some extent, now their costs have to be known, otherwise they won't know their margins. And so this movement of healthcare systems and, and some physician practices into the insurance world or risk-sharing world uh, to some extent um, has shifted that mentality, and that's what's really driving our business on the cost side. Yeah, I, I do a lot of public speaking, I think, as you know, and so the um – a lot of the markets, I, I'm trying to, you know, educate that, that, that I get down market a little bit, you know, the, the 20 doctor groups and below those audiences to really look at, uh, first of all, you can't assume risk until you understand, you know, your costs. It's exactly in the square of where you guys are. But I really do encourage everybody to begin that process because we all in healthcare are going to have to assume risk. We as patients are already assuming risk today, <laughs> you know, but those practices really are, the smaller practices are going to start to take on more risk. And obviously our health systems are going to continue to take on more risk. And so that's why you guys are so perfectly uh, positioned. Uh, and actually, on a side note, uh, McKesson had me um, uh, speak uh, at one of the keynotes for their executive leadership summit uh, in August, I guess a little bit, a month and a half ago. And I was flying out there, and next to me was one of the attendees of this uh, summit, but he was a CIO of a health system in Knoxville. And Strata came up. We were actually talking about risk, and he's like, yeah, we're actually looking at this new product that my team really likes uh, that does risk management. And I said, well, I know of a company, my buddy Dan Michelson, actually, I think he's a CEO of it called Strata Technology or Strata Decisions. And uh, he's like, yeah, that's actually the company. My team loves that product. So I don't know if you have a new product, new customer, or you're about to add a new customer in Knoxville, but I sat next to their CIO <laughs> on the way well, out there. Uh, that's great to hear. That's great to hear. So um, you have a great reputation out there. Um, but, you know, reputation is great, and, uh, you know, it's important but you have a lot of competition. So, you know, how do you guys differentiate yourselves from your competitors? You know, someone said to me yesterday, actually, <laughs> I uh, took it as a big compliment that Strata has essentially become the epic of our market. Ah. And um, I think that, that, you know, we're really closely partnered with Epic and I have mm-hmm. a huge amount of respect for them. Uh, the thing I like about them the most, though, is that they're, they're clearly playing for the long term. And they're yeah. completely focused on their clients. And I think that's why they've become number one in class and been able to sustain that over time, which, as you know, is essentially the consumer reports for uh, digital health is uh, is class. And, and you guys were number one in class as well yeah. by over right. over 10 points. And I think um, when people work with Strata, they find us pretty uh, refreshing. Our, our total focus is on delivery, and it's not just implementation, um, but, uh, you know, getting that experience to the next level every year is how we work. In fact, what we put in place, uh, Justin, is a guarantee on our product. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if I know of any vendors who do that, but so if people aren't happy with the implementation of the product, they can rip it out and give it back to us. And the reason why we do that is we're truly a subscription company, and so we need to keep our earn our keep every year. And if we can't get aligned with our clients and deliver value, uh, it's probably better for both of us um, that we go um, use our time and use our resources <laughs> differently. Um, so I think um, that focus on delivery um, is really what's where we've tried to gear um, this company. And I think it's really the trait that runs through every successful healthcare IT company. And I think the inverse is true. The ones that don't do well are the ones that over-market or over-present or over-hype themselves, uh, but really can't ultimately deliver on that promise. And um, and so in the three and a half years I've been here, I would say roughly 70% of our development spend has gone just on making the product better, more effective, 
more scalable, more efficient, uh, more simplistic, and about 30% has gone into to new products. Uh, what I would say at the same time is that roughly well over you know half of our revenue, I won't give you the specific number, mm-hmm. but well over half of our sales, I should say, now come from new products that we've developed in the last three and a half years. So we've been very targeted on developing new applications, um, but but very focused on on that experience that our clients are having with the ones that they have. Excellent. And for those just tuning in, we're speaking with Dan Michelson from Strata Decision Technology. And you know, Dan, I personally love your space and and watch the company that I mentioned earlier on, HBO and Company, grow very rapidly uh, and also in the mid-90s because of the financial analytics and decision support innovations that we were able to bring to market. Uh, and it actually was kind of the the um, like really the flagship of our product and uh, for a long time and we wrapped clinicals all around it but decision support is how we got into most of our hospitals certainly in the uh, 90s and in 2000s but um, what type of ROI uh, are you guys delivering and can your average customer expect obviously it's, it's variant based on you know organization and implementation but what are some of the cool ROI you know components that you've been able to uh, to deliver yeah, I'll, I'll share one recent example. There was a article that was published a few weeks ago about a presentation that Yale, uh, New Haven Health uh, in Connecticut, gave um, at a uh, at a national conference. And the gist of it was they took a quality first approach to, to saving 120 million dollars. And I think that's really the message that most wow. want to hear is that you're not just going to cost you're not just going to cut costs for the sake of cutting it, uh, but find ways uh, or places where you have a high cost of variation or a high cost of waste or a high cost of harm. And clinicians will engage in that kind of conversation. What Yale has done, which is fascinating, is they have defined 40 what they call quality variation indicators. So these are hospital-acquired conditions, so conditions not present upon admission. And they have found, using Strata data, um, so a combination of our efforts, their efforts, which together we've now actually turned into a product that we market together, um, but they have been able to identify the cost of bad care. Um, so everyone says that poor quality leads to poor financial outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, so bad quality is high cost, or is uh, is high cost, but no one's ever been able to actually prove that. So at uh, the conference that Yale spoke at, they were able to show data that showed that a patient who had one of these hospital-acquired conditions would cost $20,000 more on average. That kind of data is pretty stunning um, when you think about it. Um, so if you knew that, wouldn't you invest more upfront in ensuring that your quality uh, it does improve? So I think up until this point, people have, in a linear fashion, look to improve quality because it's the right thing to do. But when you put a financial marker on top of that, I think it adds more fuel to that fire uh, that, you know, by doing better, you'll do better, uh, both clinically and financially, uh, which is ultimately what you need to deliver for your community. Um, So uh, we're seeing uh, big results um, in terms of taking a uh, you know, a different kind of approach to um, uh, to driving financial outcomes, and, and Yale is a good example of that. Yeah, no, excellent point. And I think, and when I say ROI, I mean um, return on investment. Obviously, release of information is also the ROI acronym in healthcare. But when we talk about ROI here, we're talking about uh, return on investment, um, just for my audience. And uh, and so, obviously, with that ROI and what you've been able to see there with Yale. 
Are you seeing, I mean, this is, this is exactly what MACRA is pushing, you know, pushing towards. I mean, obviously we've had the Medicare Access, you know, and Reauthorization Act, uh, you know, come through March of this year. And we're seeing all these new payment and care delivery models rolling out, whether it's accountable care or, you know, any type of value-based medicine. Is this all fueling your growth? Obviously, these are, you know, you are a critical component to, I think, people successfully navigating those new models. But I mean, is that what you're, is that what you're seeing as, as growth opportunity for you guys? Oh, absolutely. I, I think people get there without us even having to say anything, because yeah. when you say um, you're going to take on the total cost of care yeah. uh, for an individual patient, and now that bundle is going to be how you're reimbursed, so anything you do becomes a cost, um, well, that's really hard to do if you don't have a cost system. Uh, so yeah. we, you know, as providing a, a cost accounting system, um, have a role to play now in making sure that those bundles are profitable or that they understand their margins going in and can improve their margins over time. Uh, because I think while all of us agree that the uh, the first focus should be the patient and the quality of care that's delivered, if you're not able to financially support that over time, you won't. Uh, I think we have right now an average margin of the average hospital is about a 2% margin. So you're talking about yeah. very thin margins before you go into the red. And one out of every three hospitals right now in the country are operating in the red. Um, so there's a real need uh, to understand what the variation in cost is uh, between different providers and whether it's necessary or not. If it's necessary, great. If the outcomes are there uh, to support it, terrific. Um, but where you can match up cost outcomes and quality outcomes in a four bucks model and see where your low performers are and begin that conversation on why that variation exists, well, then you can drive improvement. Um, and that's uh, an enormous uh, gap for hospitals right now. It's a blind spot because they don't know their cost or their margins. Mm -hmm. um, so all are trying to, uh, to fill in the blanks now, and that's uh, a big part of what's growing strata. Yeah, and I, you may be aware of this, and you and I have always talked politics as well, but the state of North Carolina, I want to say they just put it, they're about to put a private bid out there for a, an organization or a, a bid for a private organization to manage their Medicaid system, and it's all about going at risk. So I'm not mm -hmm. sure if you are aware of that or that's even in your bailiwick, but that could be a <laughs> on a very large scale to have an entire Medicaid population um, sure. being managed. Sure. Well, that's part one. Part two is also in that same state, they're making uh, price transparency um, a requirement. Um, so they're requiring hospitals to post the prices. So that's a pretty scary thing to do if you don't know your cost. Right. Um, so you're competing on price to an extent, uh, but not knowing if uh, every procedure you're doing is, is one that leads to, uh, you know, to, you know, to more cost um, and, and lower margin uh, for you as an organization in terms of your overall financial performance. So people are, uh, you know, finding a need, you know, to, to base their pricing off of a cost and really understand, um, you know, how they're performing or uh, whether they're under, under or overperforming. No, very, very good point. Um, and, uh, and we talked about this a little bit, Dan, and certainly my, get my, uh, my audience knows I like to shift the last couple of minutes of the show over to more of the personal and the leadership side, uh, trying to get into uh, understanding you know, how CEOs lead their organizations and what are the most rewarding aspects and just some leadership styles and best practices. So what has been the most rewarding aspect of your position at Strata you know, thus far being a CEO in the last three and a half years? Uh, for me, I, I love for and live for uh, developing people. Um, so I get really, really mm -hmm. excited when I see somebody growing, and I take it really hard when we fall short. 
Um, so we try to do things that are pretty unique here. You know, one of the things, and I, I was uh, referring to this in an earlier conversation that you and I had, is I interview everybody uh, who comes into this company. I'm the final interview. And because it's so important to get the right people on the team, if you don't take that step, how do you know? Um, so um, very short 30-minute interview, but just to make sure people understand our culture, what our expectations are, and that I personally get to know everyone. We uh, also provide educational funding for people to pursue their own interest uh, in, in, uh, in developing their uh, personal and professional side. Uh, I have everyone in the company evaluate me every year. That's so I think cool. I'm the only CEO potentially <laughs> in the country that does that. Um, so uh, qualitative and quantitative, they score me, and um, I share all that information with our board. Yeah, and what's also cool about your style is um, you don't uh, have a yay, yay or nay on the position, the person being hired, so you don't undermine your, uh, you know, your team and your in your leadership, uh, in your lieutenants, but you just basically interview them to ensure they fit the culture. But uh, I like that that style and strategy. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I mean, when people interview someone, uh, they're interviewing them for that job. When I interview them, I'm interviewing them for the company. That's a very different lens. Yeah. And so I want them not just to have their next job here, but the job after that. So I'm interested in the long-term players and people who can contribute. So it doesn't mean the other folks are wrong or I'm right. Um, it's just a different perspective, and I think both have to be part of the process. No, that's excellent leadership, Dan. Um, so if you weren't doing this, what else would you be doing? Uh, you know, I'd probably be working on the next big problem in healthcare that I can find. And that's the same thing I've been doing for 25 years. I get excited yeah. about uh, trying to make a difference. Um, even though that sounds like mom and apple pie, that, that is my lens. Uh, that is my orientation. And so if it wasn't, if I wasn't doing that here, I, I would try to find the next place where I could do that. No, actually, it's it's exactly my life and my kind of my mantra as well. It's like, what, where, what, you know, innovation can I help move forward that can make the biggest difference in healthcare? So I, I sure. couldn't agree more. Um, so in closing, uh, and I always ask this of my guests, what's your favorite place to get or be inspired? Well, I, uh, I have a few small coffee shops <laughs> that I like to hide <laughs> out in. Uh, so I'll put on my headphones. I'll start writing, reading, and surfing the web all pretty much at the same time. And I, I never know where that process will lead me, but I always know that it will lead me somewhere. Um, so I can't disclose those locations. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but that's what I've been doing for probably the last 15 or so years. And it's a process that works really well for me. Very, very cool. No, I mean, finding your spot and, uh, and, and just, uh, letting it go and flow. Um, I, uh, I think that's fantastic. I think I, someone asked me that actually, uh, Lee, our producer asked me that, um, one of my last shows cause he's interviewing me for a segment and, uh, mine's my fireplace room or on my boat. I like to, uh, I get inspired certainly on open water and then certainly, uh, when I'm home in Atlanta, I have a great fireplace room that I uh, just well, read and write. You've certainly picked better places than me, so I need to step it up. So. <laughs> no. Dan, it was great to have you as my guest today, and I truly appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule to join the show. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me, Justin. You got it, my friend. And I'm sure I'll see you at Him 16 in Las Vegas. Uh, but obviously, uh, please keep in touch and let me know if I can ever assist personally or the show can ever assist you. Um, and, Sounds good. Uh, Thanks again, Justin. You got it, buddy. And thank you, everyone, for listening and joining us today. Please tune in weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. As always, you can track me on Twitter at HIT Advisor and use the hashtag ThisJustin so we can respond to your comments from the show. In addition, all my content will be posted on my site at JustinBarnes.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a terrific week.